You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium games, Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to Beyond the Verse, Star Citizen Podcast. I am your host, Solus, and this is episode 42, and I think our third episode of 2954 or 2024. Welcome in. Uh, This has been a semi-slow, actually a very slow week in Star Citizen. So we're going to get through a little bit of the news, um, probably within the first 10, 15 minutes. Um, And we'll save the majority of the podcast to go over a lore deep dive of the Red Festival, also known as the Lunar New Year. It's something that happens at the end of January, beginning of February that brings in, um, actually, it's one of the first events of the year for Star Citizen, but it brings in new ships, colors, paints, um, obviously events inside and outside of the game. So looking forward to getting into that with you as that's just around the corner. Um, Before that, let's get into a quick word from our sponsors and we'll go straight into the community updates. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Welcome back. Alrighty. So first off, community updates. Um, I'm going to pause for a couple of seconds. This past weekend was my birthday and that's not like a weird, um, I I need you to celebrate it for me or send me like notes of love. Like I I know it's there and I appreciate that guys. Um, It's more that like, here's how old I am. I am, I am so old that I had pulled my abdomen muscles like a day before my birthday, I, I don't know, and, and whatever, I I worked abs like the week before, uh, like two times the week before, didn't tweak anything, didn't feel anything. Um, I sincerely think I did it when I was sleeping. Like, I, I think I rolled out of bed and I pulled a freaking ab muscle, but it was a very painful birthday for me. My, uh, my wife blessed our family with a trip to the Kalahari Resort, so it was great. Indoor water park, had a really nice, like, probably three or four star dinner, um, at like a bourbon bar it was it was amazing but the whole entire time my old ass is like (laughs) hunched over like i should have a cane or something painful to go down water slides um that is how old i am and i think uh i think that's when it kicks you right square in the nuts right in the nuts you know (laughs) you know you think you're doing really well you had a very active uh you know life leading up to this point and now it's now it's this so happy birthday to me i'm okay now thanks but now i've got vid right now now i've got the covid so uh drinking lots of water and, and getting through that so it's been fun uh so how's that for a community update <laughs> well let's let's actually get in to the community update and what's funny is i had none of this pulled up so good job solace in getting everything organized all right, so last week, uh, Org Night 4, we had uh, Arena Commander, which I thought that was an amazing, amazing Org Night. Um, and I asked the question, where do you spend most of your time in Arena Commander and f- why? For fun, to train uh, in the Persistent Universe. Um, and we had a couple of responses um, that mentioned just training. They, they are using the arena commander's kind of freedom the non-penalty state to train in their 
uh, multi-crew missions or their flying missions or FPS missions. That makes total sense. I think we talked about it last week in the Arena, uh, Arena Commander game modes schedule update, but um, there's no penalty, right? There's nothing uh, wrong or bad or negative going into Arena Commander. Um, so that is the time to work at all your kinks. Absolutely, right? Um, episode 41, we went in depth into the Star Citizen monthly report and the Squadron 42 monthly report. So uh, I asked the question, Q&A, describe what you want to see added, deleted, or changed in subsequent episodes for 2024. And here's the spirit behind that. Um, There is a, there's a good balance, in my opinion. There's a good balance between you know, owning your brand, not changing for anyone, making sure it's the soulless voice that gets heard through Beyond the Verse podcast. Like all, all, that, all that is true. It's all true. At the same time, though, who are you producing the content for? It's it's the listeners. I, I mean, I listened to this episode once for auditing purposes, but then I'm kind of I'm done with it, obviously. But this is for the other. I think that episode had over 500 listens last week. So for the 500 of you that listened to that episode, yeah, I think feedback is important. Now, will I take every single feedback as gospel and change everything? Well, probably not, but it's good to be flexible. And I think you have to be, you know, especially in 2024, as content creators grow and Star Citizen grows in the content creator space, um, you're going to want to be relevant and remain relevant. So the question I asked again, what do you want to see added, deleted or changed? Start, stop, pivot for those of you in the corporate world. Um, What do you want to see changed in subsequent episodes? And here we go. We had four responses. Uh, Groza, a beloved member of our organization, uh, Soul Provision, states, quote, I love it when you read the little short stories, other source content for lore. My favorite was that child's schoolwork story or whatever it was. Awesome. I'm I'm glad to see the the lore I'm reading is hitting home with you. (laughs) Or whatever it was. I love learning (laughs) cool stuff about the verse. Citizen Groza. Um... Yeah, so, uh, and we're going to be getting into a lot of that today. A lot of that today, we're going to actually go out of the game and learn about what the lunar calendar even is versus the solar calendar, um, who celebrates it and why, and then how did it end up in Star Citizen and what's the purpose? Like, we're going to be diving into that. Um, <laughs> what what Groz is referring to is the first set of podcasts. I encourage you to go back and listen to them if you haven't already. The first set of podcasts I take I take every listener through literally every single uh, time capsule. So in the lore series, time capsules are short stories, collections of stories that walk us through major milestones from two thousand what two thousand. 13 from 2013 all the way to 2951 or 2952 so there's some major milestones the first quantum drive right the first time we meet an alien race the banu a banu named uh, jerry right we go through all of those stories but the time capsules are like those milestone stories that you have to know um, to really speak about star citizen and squadron 42 so that's what he's referring to Awesome, Groza. I think you're going to love this episode. Dakota Riley, quote, I love the lore reading and would love to see more of the lore that has been previously released when there isn't anything new to share. No need to remove anything either. Thank you so much, brother. Um, I I appreciate that feedback. Um, Again, this episode is going to come to you, uh, I think, in a good way. Um, As as you just noted, there's not a lot of news uh, for this week, so we are diving into the lore. and then not removing anything either. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we really do have more um, of, of a business model here that that works, and we know it works. It's, I mean, we went from literally zero listeners in March when we created episode zero to where we are now. We have eleven point seven thousand impressions on podcasts alone, and that's that's huge, right? That's huge in just forty two episodes, less than forty two episodes. Moving on, Patrick Haraway. Quote, love the lore, more lore always. And the final quote by Jude, line by line is perfectly fine. Okay, Um, I have to preface this real quick. I also said many, many times throughout episode 41, if reading the monthly reports 
line by line is better or worse than summarizing, right? Giving like an abridged version of the notes because, you know, that is something that podcasters tend to do. You know, they naturally like the sound of our own voices, right? Obviously, or we wouldn't be doing a podcast. Um, so we just talk, we talk and, you know, we want to make sure that the work that we're putting into the show um, is being consumed, is something that's desired, right? And so we read, I mean, that was one of the longest podcasts last week. It was an hour and 45 minutes because we covered two months worth of both Star Citizen and Squadron 42. So I asked line by line or abridged. This is what Jude is referencing. So again, quote, line by line is perfectly fine. You're doing a great job of relaying information to the fans of this game. We wouldn't be here if we didn't want some detailed information, right? LOL. Awesome job. Means the world. And, and I do. It, it is interesting. I, I do think there's a certain consumer that listens to podcasts. I think it's different. You go on TikTok, YouTube, and you're looking at shorts. You get that dopamine hit by just swiping every 10 seconds or 30 seconds. So we create shorts. I take my podcasts and I split them. I literally slice them throughout the week and put them into TikTok for that exact purpose. For YouTube, shorts for that exact purpose. So I totally get that. Um, there are content creators that, in fact, the majority of content creators are based off of video, right? I love Space Tomato. He was on the episode, what, two episodes ago? Um, he is the YouTube creator, morphologist, subliminal. These are all well-known YouTube content creators. It takes a special listener or maybe a unique or different listener to listen to podcasts. Usually we're working older adults because we're, we're traveling between jobs or whatever the scenario is, but we listen in our car for the most point, uh, for the most part. And so I, again, I do think it's a different fan base. So it's interesting to try to take a podcast and make it into like video and make it like worth worthwhile. That's why the impressions on a podcast mean more, though less, they mean more than impressions you get off of YouTube, right? In my, in my opinion. So that was the Q&A. Let's go to polls. Uh, that's the question. Do you prefer monthly reports, read verbatim, or abridged? And literally 100% of you, there were 11 votes. So 11 votes. Uh, 100% of you said line by line. So we're going to continue mission. I mean, that that is pretty indicative. That's... Uh, Let's see if I had another poll. Oh, no, uh, that's, I mean, that's pretty obvious that that is what's desired. And so that's what we're going to be doing moving forward. Love it. We'll, we'll love it. And again, this is a good moment um, to remind everybody at the end of every podcast on Spotify, there is a Q&A like where you get to actually respond and put your voice into the message. There's a poll for you to select so I can hear and see feedback. Um, and you can also email us at contact at beyondtheversehq.com. And that is a really good way to get a conversation started because uh, we will respond to every single one. It might be a couple seconds or it might be a whole segment of the podcast. So totally encourage you to do so. All right, let's get into this week in uh, Star Citizen. So we'll cover this week in Star Citizen's article. There is a patch 322 update that um, discusses Siege of Orison, which internally for our organization's sole provision is important because we've been wanting to do that for the longest time now. <laughs> so we'll read that quickly. Um, there was, uh, and in case you missed it, events that we're actually going to go through. We're going to go through and I'm going to respond to a little bit of it and my opinions on the F8C being available. Um, but then we will end by getting into the Lord Deep Dive of Red Festival, the Lunar New Year. So here we go. Let's go to this week in Star Citizen. I'm going to share my screen for those of you on YouTube. Um, we'll read the paragraph. I'll repeat what I said about what happened this week and we'll get going. Here we go. Happy Monday, everyone. The teams are back in the studios, hard at work and tinkering to further improve your experience. And off of 322 Rex to Riches, uh, which is currently our live servers. 
We look forward to getting some fixes and quality of life updates in your hands shortly. With the continuous improvements and updates to Arena Commander, we published a one-stop shop for all your experimental modes information needs last week, where you'll find, for example, the descriptions of the different experimental modes, achievements that can be unlocked, as well as the requirements needed to earn them. This new comm link will also serve as the primary platform for our regular experimental modes rotation schedule updates, so don't forget to bookmark it to stay in the loop. Mark your calendars for this Thursday, which was yesterday, as every new ship released in 2023 will be available for a limited time for those who missed the releases or didn't have a chance to pick them up. You know, just in case you missed it. Break. So, that's a little misleading. It's not every new ship released in 2023. It's also concept. You can get the Storm Alpha Alpha, right? The missile launcher. Um, you can get the Zeus's. Like, those are all available. And we're going to cover that here in a second. But it's not just the ships that released that are flyable, but also the concept ships. Back to the article. This Saturday, we will see the return of the biggest community-driven racing event in the verse, where hundreds of players compete in three divisions, buggy, truck, and hoverbike, over a distance of 510 kilometers. That's right, citizens, the filthiest race in the verse, the Damar Rally, is back. This highly anticipated annual event is a spectacular showcase of skills and thrills, but don't expect a clean fight to finish the line or to the finish line, as this is a weapons-free race and contestants have a license to kill. Well, that's fun. <laughs> that's that's fun. All right, now let's see what's going on this week. Wednesday, it's two days ago, that they reposted Squadron 42's monthly report on the comms link. Um, I don't. I still to this day don't really understand why they release Star Citizen's monthly report directly to the comm link last week. Cool. But they sent the Squadron 42 in an email. And so when I did my last week's podcast, I had to pull up the email and read straight off the email. Whereas obviously we just read it on Wednesday. They just went to the comm link. Why not just put both in the comm link at the same time? I, I don't know the reason why. It's interesting. Back to the article. The roadmap update inside Star Citizen and Star Citizen Live are still on break, but they'll be returning soon with your favorite deep dives into Star Citizen content. Thursday, we'll see the start of our In Case You Missed It promotion, where you'll have the opportunity to pick up any new ships uh, released in 2023 that you missed out on. And Friday is National Popcorn Day. So happy National Popcorn Day, I guess. Uh, so grab yours to enjoy alongside our weekly RSI newsletter coming to an inbox near you. And then on Saturday is the start of the Daymar rally. So the live stream pre-show starts at 4.30 UTC. Thank you, Frasia. Appreciate it. And then here is the bulleted list of the week. So there you go. Again, a very, very light week, especially considering Wednesday's Squadron 42 monthly report we covered last week. So we really only have two things to discuss, and we're going to get into the first one right now with the Star Citizen Alpha 322 EPTU 9024200 patch note. Good good God. I, I don't know if any of that matters on podcast. There's a crap load of numbers. There's an update for the EPTU. Alrighty. So if you are, um, so, all right, I think this is good. So here's my stance. My stance on the PTU, if you're, uh, you know, an active listener um, or, you know, you, you patron um, with, uh, with us at Beyond the Verse, you know my stance on the PTU is a little off. Like I, we're already playing an alpha. This PTU feels like an alpha to the alpha, but I understand develop wise, producing wise why you'd want like a test universe and then the actual live universe but like that like that is what a live game looks like right you have your live servers while things are getting worked on the back end on a different server and then you've got like server alpha and server bravo or engine alpha engine bravo and so you work on bravo while alpha's live and then you switch them so then bravo goes live and you're working on alpha 
right? And that's kind of how live operations works, at least for some studios, right? So this, it's just, it's weird to me. Like we are in a live game, but we're still stuck on this alpha title. (laughs) So I have a hard time with the PTU. It's like, look, we're either live or we're not. And if we're in alpha, why have a test to a test to a test? Why? Anyways, so I don't spend a lot of time in the PTU, but I think these patch notes are very important to us because it's what they're working on. It's what we're about to see come to the PU, right? So right now the testing focus is stability. Thank God, because last night's Orgnite was horrendous with 30Ks and enemy not showing up. Uh, I mean, it was, it was bad. I'll let you listen to Orgnite 5. <laughs> you can go listen to that podcast bonus episode. Go enjoy. But Stability needs work on, yes. And then we have the Siege of Orison um, that they're working on, and they've been working on. We've seen a couple of these patch notes mention Siege of Orison, but there are known issues going on with it right now. So that's what they're working on. Um, turrets do not spawn in the second consecutive run of the mission. Uh, lieutenants, who are like the boss fights, if you will. Lieutenants are stuck beneath spawn locations. Shipping co- uh, containers can spawn, become invisible. Island boss will fail to spawn. Um, AI are not leaving their open spawn closets. Like, there, there's issues, <laughs> right? So this is what they're working on in the EPTU. I think it's good to call out. But they have solved three bug fixes and three technical issues. So they've solved uh, the Siege of Orson barge missing on admin platform. They've solved the problem that I just mentioned about AI uh, are not leaving their open spawn closets. And they've solved the anti-air do not shut down after disabling IFFI, right? Good. So they're making progress. And then we have a technical fix. We have, uh, they fixed one client crash, two server crashes, and a server deadlock. So again, I think it's important for us to call out the patch notes, even when it's not in the PU, as it does pertain to what we can expect in the next couple patches. And honestly, Soul Provision is, is looking forward to Siege of Orison. We had so much fun in Jump Town. We have so much fun in Arena Commander. Like the things that we do, we're event based. Um, you can't just like, and I guess you could, but you can't jump in every single night and do bounty hunting missions with a you know hammerhead um, every single night. It's good to change things up, to have a salvaging night, a mining night, um, to have you know, jump town into a siege of Orison, Xeno threat. Like these are all going to be really fun events. And so we're, we're just, we're itching, right? Like we're, we're itching for this to come out and be released for us. All right. Um, I have the squadron 42 month report pulled up. Uh, I don't even think it's worth talking or showing you on screen. It's just available. If you want to read it, it's in your mailbox or it's now available on the com link. So the RSI website, Comlink, you'll you'll I mean you'll see Squadron 42's monthly report. It's good. A win in Squadron 42 is a win in Star Citizen. Go read it. I still think this year's a good contender, although I'm starting to lose hope. Um because <laughs> we haven't we haven't really seen or heard anything from any pipeline, but that's supposed to be coming very soon. Okay. Probably the one and only news that came out of this week in Star Citizen was this, in case you missed it. Um, Okay, my initial reactions, great, love it. Let's spend more money. And I don't mean that sarcastically. Like, this is a good opportunity to pick up literally every single ship released or in concept um, to include the F8C right now. Right. I mean, this is a really cool opportunity and it's nice. Uh, I don't know if January is the right time to do it because you just had, you know, uh, uh, IAE. You just had IAE. You just had the December holidays. I mean, hell, I just had my birthday. So I've had like three things of major spending happen. Um, I don't know if this is like the right marketing time to do it. I don't know how many people are going to be spending, you know, significant amount of money after all these events, but it's a great opportunity if you have the money it's every ship uh in my tweet from a couple of days ago i put just the ones that released but let's just go through 
the article. Uh, I'll take you through it. Let's let's go on the journey. So on the very top of the website, again, for those of you on YouTube, I am sharing my screen. You can see this and walk along with me. If you're on podcast, the very top uh, has categories. You can literally click on categories and it'll list out combat industry, venturing beyond, which is exploration, and performance and luxury. So you can shop by category if you want to. Um, and here you go, here's, here's the article. So I'm gonna clear my throat real quick, excuse me. I think I'm doing halfway decent considering I got COVID, so. All right, in case you missed it, welcome back intrepid traveler. It is a new year brimming with new adventures, new discoveries, and new opportunities. And what better way to start than with the latest vehicles from the galaxy's top manufacturers? Nasty fighters armed to the teeth, industrial behemoths, scrappy salvagers, lightning fast snubs, and unique alien conversions, just to name a few. If you're curious about the new ships and ground vehicles released through 2023, you're in the right place. Be sure to grab them now through January 29th. January 29th, that's 10 days from this episode's recording. The universe awaits your return. So there you go, combat. And again, you can click on combat. Um, it'll just open up those ships, but there's a, you know, a uh, shoveler. I think last week's episode, I said at Amazon, we call things scrollers. It's shoveler. A shoveler is something that you can pull left and right or click left and right, and it'll shovel um, the item in front of you. So we got a shoveler for combat, a shoveler for industry, venturing beyond, performance, luxury. And then here's a list of 24 vehicles. Right, <clears throat> and we're just gonna go through them real quick. Some I completely forgot launched, like the Scorpius and Taurus. Completely forgot that that was like a 318 launch, but here we go. A1 Spirit, $200. <laughs> the Arastra, this is my point. The Arastra was not released last year. It's It was in concept, right? It's in concept. So it's not just flyable, it's also in concept. But the Arastra, $575. Good God in heaven. Uh, <laughs> C1 Spirit, $125. The Cutter Rambler, I'm, gonna, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. All right. I've never addressed, I have never addressed my reactions to the Cutter Rambler. I'm going to take a moment to talk about it. So in December, I made the commitment to you. I made the commitment that I was going to purchase the $50 LTI uh, for the Cutter Rambler. And, uh, and only fly that right through the rest of the year. I like it. I I like the Rambler. First off, I hate I hate the aesthetics. It does still look like an RV. I can't get over. Um, I can't get over the aesthetics. Okay, but aesthetics aside, it's the perfect little ship. And I hate saying it so much. I hate saying it so much. But for fifty dollars, I don't know if there's a better ship for fifty dollars that can do just basically everything, right? Great storage, long distance, good shields, good ammunition, fun to fly, you know, moving VTOL, right? And I think that's cosmetics, uh, but moving VTOL uh, is super sexy to see. Um, it, it, it's great visibility, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm sorry. But hopefully this is proof that I am flexible and I'm not just stuck in my way and I'm going to believe one thing and can't be influenced. I told you I'd give it a, an honest try and it grew on me. So I still have to this day, I still have the Cutter Rambler in my hangar and we'll probably keep it there and not upgrade it. It's a really good, if I just have 30 minutes to get out and do something, I'm probably going to take this guy. All right. There I said it. <laughs> Back back to the article. All right, we're four ve vehicles in. The next one, Cutter Scout. <clears throat> uh, that's another $50. The F-8C Lightning. So this is the same. It even tells you at the very top, event badge is required. So now during this event, so I'm assuming now between January 29th, the next 10 days, your lootable boxes, so the red boxes, gray boxes, have the potential of dropping a golden ticket. Now again, I found mine, and I think it's back in like September, October, September, August. It was like that late Q3, or I guess Q3. But anyways, I, I found mine at the beginning of a Merc mission in a bunker. 
You, I literally went down an elevator, and before the action started, there was a red, um, a red box off to my left. I checked it, found the gold ticket, good to go. So, I mean, they can literally be found anywhere. Um, just check every single box. And right now, the easiest missions are the Merc missions because the enemy are stuck in elevators. <laughs> At least my experience, they're all stuck in elevators. So you can literally run in there, check every box, and then start firing and get your mission worth. So, but the F8C Lightning is available at $300. Not to open up that can of worms again. <laughs> the, uh, the Fury, the Fury $55, the Fury LX $55, the Fury MX, which is my personal favorite, $55. Uh, the whole C, right? The whole C that's still pretty buggy. Uh, I will warn you on that. Um, if you think it's a sexy ship and you want to get it, by all means, have fun. Um, but right now, there's just a lot, uh, a lot of issues with it landing, um, getting the cargo boxes on it. There's, it's just, uh, unfortunately, it's kind of faulty right now. But that's five hundred dollars. RSI Links is the next one at sixty dollars. SRV at one hundred and sixty-five dollars. Um, I, I still need to fly that. I'm getting a lot of feedback from. Um, my organization that this is a fun game loop. I actually haven't done it yet. I, I haven't done anything with the SRV, so I need to at least melt something to play with it, and then melt with it, melt with it, and then melt it uh, after this this little season is over. But all right, moving on. The Santaki two hundred and forty dollars. Um, more intel from the organization. Like right now, the best way to get the Santaki is to buy the LTI, um, the Lifetime Insurance Cutter Rambler, and then ship upgrade to the Santaki. And that's how you get your Santaki best value, lifetime insurance, go for, <clears throat> go for it. And I think as I'm talking, COVID's hitting in. So this is fun, <laughs> a lot of fun. All right, here's the Scorpius and Terrace, uh, you know, 230 bucks. The Storm, $90. The Storm Alpha Alpha, $100. The Sulin, $70. And again, as much as I love the cosmetics of this ship, flying gets annoying, right? Like those, the way it uh, X's out, or I guess Y's out, um, the way it Y's out, it blocks most of my screen, you know, um, from third person. So it's just hard to fly in tight spaces and, and navigating. So that's my thing with it. My, my own hangup. Vulture, $175. X1, $45. X1 Force, $55. X1 Velocity, $50. The Zeus Mark II. Here we go. Zeus vehicles. This is your chance to get the Zeus before they go live. The Zeus Mark II CL is $150. Um, Zeus Mark II ES is $150. And then the Zeus Mark II MR, uh, that's your kind of Scorpius and Terrace version, if you will. It's got the dampeners and everything, uh, $190. And that's it. Those are your vehicles that are, that are live. And so again, just to recap, you have 24 vehicles that you can purchase from 2023, some flyable, some in concept, and you have uh, until January 29th in order to do so. And you could literally stop listening to this podcast now and that's the notes. That's the notes from week three in Star Citizen. But you're not gonna leave yet, are you? Because you're interested. I know you are. You're interested in the Red Festival. And so I'm gonna start from outside of the game and I'm gonna work our way into the game. I've gathered a couple of articles together. Yes, unfortunately one is Wikipedia, which whatever. I mean, it's not a credible source, but I've checked the information in it and it is true, it is valid. Uh, but we're gonna go through kind of like what the lunar calendar is, what the solar calendar is, and work our way into the lore of Star Citizen and what this all means. I'm gonna take a second to clear my throat and then we will get into the, uh, the lore deep dive. Thanks for coming with me along this ride. Let's go. What is the lunar calendar? 
A lunar calendar is a calendar based on the monthly cycles of the moon's phases in contrast to solar calendars whose annual cycles are based on the solar year. The most widely observed purely lunar calendar is the Islamic calendar. A purely lunar calendar is distinguished from a lunisolar calendar whose lunar months are brought into alignment with the solar year throughout, <clears throat> throughout some process of intercalation, such as by insertion of a leap month. The details of when months begin vary from calendar to calendar, with some using new, full, or crescent moons, and others employing detailed calculations. Since each lunation is approximately 29 and a half days, it is common for the months of a lunar calendar to alternate between 29 and 30 days. Since the period of 12 such lunations, a lunar year is 354 days, 8 hours, 48 minutes, 34 seconds. Purely lunar calendars are 11 to 12 days shorter than the solar year. In purely lunar calendars, which do not make use of intercalation, the lunar months cycle through all the seasons of solar year over the course of a 33 to 34 lunar year cycle. Okay. All that means is that just like the way I say majority, that's that's very insulting. Um, we'll just say like the United States, right? Just for Americans listening to this podcast, the majority of us um, look at a year being 365 days, but it's not. It's not a true 365 days. There is a leap year. Every four years, we have a 29th day in February, right? It's the way we kind of catch up or the way we quote unquote correct ourselves because we are a quarter difference each year, right? So just like that dynamic, there is a dynamic in a lunar calendar watching the phases of the moon, except in this situation, it's a lunar month right? So I think that's what I get out of that whole description. But um, we have the change of seasons in the summer, right? We can measure it by shadows. We do that all the time. Like that's how they used to do it before technology. So we have this like solar way of understanding seasons, a solar way of understanding what an entire year is, which is a full cycle around the sun, right? It's, it's not always about the sun though. In this scenario in this background this culture primarily the islamic culture used the moon to do so rather than the sun back to the article the history of the lunar calendar a lunisolar calendar was found at warnfield in scotland and has been dated to circa 8000 bc during the mesolithic period some scholar, scholars, schoolers, good lord. Some scholars argue for lunar calendars still earlier, um, circa seventeen thousand year old cave paintings at Lascaux in Marshak, uh, in the marks in the marks on circa twenty seven thousand year old bone baton, but their findings remain controversial. Scholars have argued that ancient hunters conducted regular astronomical observations of the moon back in the upper paleo Paleolithic. Samuel L. Macy dates the earliest uses of the moon as a time measuring device back to twenty eight thousand to thirty thousand years ago. Start of the lunar month. Lunar and lunisolar calendars differ as to which day is the first day of the month. Some are based on the first sighting of the lunar crescent, such as the, uh, the Hijri calendars observed by most of Islam and historically the Hebrew calendar. In some lunisolar calendars, such as the Chinese calendar, the first day of a month is the day when an astronomical new moon occurs in a particular time zone. In others, such as some Hindu calendars, each month begins on the day after the full moon. So very interesting that cultures have different time frames of when to say a new month is. It's awesome, in my opinion. Length of the lunar month. 
The length of each lunar cycle varies slightly from the average value. In addition, observations are subject to uncertainty in weather conditions. Thus, to minimize uncertainty, there have been attempts to create fixed arithmetical, good lord, uh, arithmetical rules mathematical rules to determine the start of each calendar month the best known of these is the tabular islamic calendar in brief it has a 30-year cycle with 11 leap years of 355 days and 19 years of 354 days it's, cr it's crazy how it's offset in the long term it is accurate to one day in about 2500 solar years or 2570 lunar years it also deviates from observation by up to about one or two days in the short term. The algorithm was introduced by Muslim astronomers in the 8th century to predict the approximate date the first, of the first crescent moon, which is used to determine the first day of each month in the Islamic lunar calendar. Alrighty. I think I'm going to stop there. There's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of info for this, that for the lunar calendar. <laughs> um, there's a lot of information there. And I think, again, I, I wanted to depict, and this is for, unfortunately, like most Americans, um, there are many, 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 many other cultures out there <laughs> uh, that don't necessarily do the same things we do. And that sounds insulting. I don't mean it to sound insulting. It's just unless you have traveled and been part of other cultures, I was in the military and was blessed to be uh, embedded with a lot of these cultures and saw it firsthand. But the way the way others tell time, the way they tell seasons, there are many, many, many other cultures. So when I get asked by Star Citizen fans, um, and I have been asked um, in, inside of my Soul Provision organization, like what's with the Lunar New Year? That makes no sense. Why would we celebrate that? Maybe the Chinese New Year, like that kind of makes sense but the lunar new year uh, you know why would we even do that well the idea and we're going to get into that here in a second but the idea is that literally everybody from earth leaves earth and are scattered throughout the universe in, in star citizen right and so they take the cultures with them and these cultures go and they thrive, whether it's Stanton or Pyro. Um, it's not just the American culture that goes and, and, and thrives. Literally all cultures. So if you take the Banu, which this is kind of a, a real story in, in the game. But if you take the Banu and the Xi'an and throw a different culture in there, you could influence an entire alien race. And by the time Americans get there... I mean, it's a it's a blown it's a blown out you know culture. And you're like, wow, they actually use moons to tell time rather than orbits around the sun. And so this is what this is. It's this like dichotomy or diptych, right? Of of like what we expect to happen in Americans, right? Or as Americans, like we expect this to be the case in space. The Banu and Xi'an just adopt our culture. Why would they adopt ours and not someone else's culture? And so I think it's interesting to like, let's lay the ground that there is in real life, in real life, there are other methods of measuring years than just what we do, you know, in our little box of a culture. I hope that makes sense. All right. So let's get into the portfolio and the Galactopedia of the Red Festival. And I will be sharing my screen uh, for the aesthetics of of this. But um, actually, I'm going to start with the Galactopedia update, and then we'll get into the portfolio. So if you go into RSI's website, I usually start all my lore deep dives by doing this. I go into the Galactopedia update. These are official approved narratives by the narrative team from CIG. And so you kind of start here, and then you work your way down the rabbit hole. So this is literally the Red Festival. Quote, Red Festival is a holiday celebrated in late January or early February, annually in the United Empire of Earth. It originated in Old Earth, Sol 3, customs that celebrated the end of the year by tracking the lunisolar calendar or cycle instead of the solar cycle. Humans who followed the lunar calendar took their practice with them during the human colonial expansion era. That is exactly what I've been talking about. 
So the human colonial expansion era between the years 2380 and 2530. If you remember, that is the time frame where like RSI was pushing people to um, to get into these more affordable spacecraft to go explore, help discover jump points, etc. But it was this massive like culture push to get people off of Earth using their cheaper platforms, right? So you had this massive expansion era. Not everybody expanded or was part of the expansion. Not every culture was part of the expansion, but those who did, it wasn't just one culture. It was many, many cultures. Back to the article. Often cementing the Red Festival as a tradition as early as the date of a colony's foundation. Today, the festival is celebrated by wearing colors that symbolize good fortune, such as red and gold, eating long foods such as dyed red noodles or calisk tentacles, and the exchange of gilded uh, red envelopes containing good luck tokens or credits. Recently, instead of handing the envelope directly to a recipient, givers will hide the envelopes for those deemed in need by fate to discover. Banu often joined the festivities, hiding red envelopes in honor of Casa, the patron of luck. Clearing my throat, because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely dying at this point. Whew, okay. <laughs> I'm glad COVID's hitting me, like, now, and hopefully I can get over it between now and the next episode. Oh, my God. All right. So there you go. There is the Galactopedia update of the Red Festival. Let's get into some of the portfolios. We'll get into portfolio of the Red Festival, a story about or around the Red Festival, and then we're going to compare 2952s, so two years ago, and last year's 2953's Red Festival to predict what could be happening at the end of this month. Let's go into the portfolio, sharing my screen. Let's see if I can get through this. <laughs> Bear with me. Here we go. Each year, beginning in late January or early February, millions of gilded red envelopes are hidden across the UEE. Those fated to find one will discover a good luck token or credit intended as a hopeful sign of the year to come. For centuries, giving friends and relatives red envelopes was one way to celebrate the Red Festival. Yet it wasn't until the 26th century that hiding the envelopes for anyone to find became part of the tradition after the Banu enthusiastically embraced it as a way to honor Kasa, their patron of luck. People took to the new tradition and relished the chance to find a little bit of luck tucked inside a discarded magazine or hiding atop a storage locker at the end of a dark space station hallway. The Red Festival originated on Earth well before humanity explored the stars when some early cultures carefully observed the moon and celebrated the start of a new lunar year. The holiday eventually became known as the Red Festival as it reached as its reach and influence spiraled further and further away from the Earth's orbit. Still, many of the traditions stayed the same, like wearing red and gold for good luck and exchanging gilded red envelopes. Humanity celebrated these traditions for millennia before colonists took them to Mars when it was settled in the 22nd century. While the Red Festival was celebrated on the Red Planet, its popularity wouldn't explode until the early 25th century when an explorer claimed it helped him make history and many others came to believe that celebrating it would bring luck to their journey. Today, the Red Festival is more popular than ever and widely celebrated across the UEE and Bani Protectorate. So how did a holiday focused on Earth's lunar solar cycle become so beloved? Lift off world. The United, <clears throat> the United Nations of Earth, here we go. <clears throat> Good Lord. The United Nations of Earth formed in 2380 to unify all of Earth's nations under one government. It was a historic moment meant to bring people together and facilitate humanity's expansion into the stars. At the time, Earth was in a precarious position. Despite having terraformed Mars and the new system of Croshaw, humanity's home world was still desperately overcrowded and pristine wilderness increasingly scarce. Pollution choked many major cities and people's quality of life was in decline. 
While advances in commercial spacecraft and terraforming tech made living off-world possible, it remained extremely expensive to leave Earth and surprisingly difficult to convince people that life off-world might actually be better. To address the issue, the UNE created the Eastern Expansion Program to support nav jumpers on their search for new frontiers and encourage people to fill colony ships. The program was met with modest success before being rebranded Project Farstar in 2412. Now considered a key driver of the human colonial expansion era, Project Farstar opened offices in major cities around Earth to recruit colonists, aid explorers with subsidized ship upgrades, and more. In late 2429, Wendell Dops visited the Project Farstar office in Shanghai and submitted an application to purchase a discounted jump drive. The application was approved and Dops received the component in mid-January of 2430. He rushed to install it when meticulously cleaned then meticulously cleaned his ship so it'd be spotless when the Red Festival began on January 25th. According to legend, Wendell Dopps spent the next two weeks celebrating the Red Festival with his family and reconsidering whether or not to leave them. On the final day of the festival, his family attended a lantern festival where Dopps helped his daughter with a particularly difficult riddle. The two spent hours taking in the impressive lanterns and talking through solutions when the answer suddenly struck him. Dops looked up and saw a solitary lit red lantern rising through the sky, away from everything else, off on its own. Convinced it was a sign, he noted its course. He then said goodbye to his family, raced to his ship, and flew in the direction the red lantern was headed. Days later, Dops discovered the jump from Sol to Davian, upending contemporary scientific thinking that predicted no additional jump point existed in the Sol system. The Spread of the Red Festival Today, many people wonder if Wendell Dops' story about the Red Lantern might have been embellished. They point to numerous voyages Dops took into that sector of Sol before receiving his jump drive. On those trips, he tested and refined new scanning techniques that, after his discovery of Davian, other explorers adopted and inventors integrated into more advanced jump scanning technology. His success inspired others to try their luck launching on the final day of that year's Red Festival. The practice became so commonplace that several landing zones were forced to place a cap on launches that on that day to reduce congestion. They eventually instituted a lottery system to award, such, uh, to award launch slots after an investigation by the UNE revealed that some landing zone officials were selling slots to the highest bidder. Shanghai also became considered a lucky place to launch. People traveled from across the world to leave from that landing zone specifically, and many of them celebrated the Red Festival. For decades, the Project Far Star office in Shanghai recruited and helped send more colonists to live off-world than any other. The colonists' eagerness to go, combined with their comms about what life was really like on these new worlds, convinced millions more to follow. They did, and brought the traditions of the Red Festival with them. In the 25th century, one of the biggest off-Earth celebrations of the Red Festival occurred in Davian, where, in 2438, humanity first encountered the Banu. Since then, Banu traders became a staple of the system and knew to stock their merchantmen's. <sighs> we need the merchantmen's released. <laughs> they stocked their merchantmen's with red lanterns, uh, red items, and gilded envelopes around the Red Festival. While no one knows exactly who hid the first envelope for someone to find, the tradition began in Davian and expanded from there. Hiding and searching for these lucky envelopes became commonplace across the empire by the early 26th century. And as the tradition grew in popularity, so did the Red Festival. All thanks in part to Wendell Dobbs' discovery of Davian, the millions of colonists who celebrated the Red Festival, and the Banu who adopted and evolved its traditions. There's the full story. <laughs> the portfolio of the rise of the Red Festival. We were going to read Star Watch, Red Festival Feud. Uh, I, 
I am going to use my um, subject matter expertise and know that I can't get through it. There, there's no way I'm going to be able to make it through uh, another, and that's actually a really long article, but I want to encourage you to read Star Watch red festival feud it's just a fine narrative it's like a role-playing narrative that happens around the red festival it's it's a lot of fun i wish i could get through it y'all i really wish i could uh out of respect of your ears i'm just gonna i'm gonna kind of try to like wrap this up a little bit but let's look back at the history of this um at least as far back as 2952 so two years ago, 2052, the events were between January 31st and February 15th. Last year, they were between January 20th and February 6th. So it's kind of hard to tell. Two years ago, it started on a Monday, ended on a Tuesday. Last year, it started on a Friday, ended on a Monday. So there's not like a consistent day or specific week that this starts. So it could be as early as next week. It could be as early, which next week on Monday, what is that? The 22nd, or it could be as early as, or as late as the 29th, the week of the 29th. So can't really make any predictions there, but what I wanted to do, and let's see if I can at least get through this. I wanted to show you all the pages of 2022's Red Festival and then 2023's Red Festival. So here we go. You get Red Festival paints. Um, that's usually pretty standard. I think every year uh, this year and, sorry, 2022 and 2023, you can get all the Red Festival paints like in one pack um, as the ships change that get the paints, but you can get all the paints in one. And it's like a base red to match you know, the red. And the gold is kind of like a mustard yellow. Um, my experience, and I could completely be way off, but the red paints that I have, it's not like a metallic gold. It is a mustard yellow. So just th that's how I see it. That's how I see the paints. Um, and I just clicked something, whoops. All right, so here's here's the first page. Uh, 2952, two years ago, not a lot of, of information. You can see the pictures um, of the, uh, let's see if I can do this, that's the arrow, right? No, what is that? Good Lord. The uh, saber, my goodness, that was a horrible, horrible guess on my part. Um, but it looks like the RSI Constellation series got it, um, and then the Aegis saber. Uh, also got it as as well and so that was basically it it didn't really blow up until last year when we had a lot more um, events and so here we are this is last year's page uh, I'll just go through this real quick <clears throat> oh, okay Red envelopes are appearing around each of Stanton's major hubs in various corners of the verse. Hunt them down and sell them at kiosks to ensure, so just like in Luminalia, finding little presents. So instead of presents, you're finding red envelopes. There you go. Um, so there's that. Press your luck. Here's Defend Orison. So this is why I've been saying Siege of Orison should be right around the corner because it was this time last year. So they released or they had Siege of Orison during the Red Festival. So press your luck, defend Orison. Why not pull it, uh, put it all on the line defending Crusader's Crown Jewel from the Ruthless Outlaws? Save the day or die trying in a blaze of glory. In any case, it'll be a Lunar New Year to remember. So Siege of Orison happened. Oh, good Lord. Um, the red cards to find the community contest of taking screenshots um, of you and your envelopes. You ended up getting um, these wooden, like, chickens. Let me just read this. It was like chickens or something. This year, uh, roosters. This year, players uh, get to keep a commemorative red envelope as a memento of their prosperous Lunar New Year adventure, as well as wooden roosters that are sure to bring your ship luck when perched in its cockpit. Um, yeah, so I'll probably put that in my Bunny Merchant Man when I get it, as well as, you know, whatever envelopes I get. And then here's your auspicious red paints and ships. So for this year, or for last year, it was the Carrick and the Pisces. So pick up the 2953 auspicious red paint to give your Carrick or Pisces that extra bit of luck all year long. But again, it had a set where you could get those two plus the 2022 
paints. So I guarantee you, you'll be able to pick up all of them for this Lunar New Year, a red festival. All right, I am going to, what a bummer. <laughs> what a bummer. Uh, I wanted to read that other, that other article. Um, I'm going to drink some water. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take a, a little bit of a rest, but thank y'all so much for joining me in episode 42. I'm glad we were able to get through at least most of it. Um, I hope this finds everybody well. Um, <laughs> so bad. Uh, you've been listening to Beyond the Verse, Star Citizen Podcast with me, your host, Solas. You can get involved in the conversation with your questions, comments, concerns, even your emotional outbursts by emailing us at contact at beyondtheversehq.com or interacting with our Spotify Q&A or polls at the end of each episode over on Spotify. Join our in-game organization, Soul Provision, by applying at www.robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash provision. Watch our video replays over at YouTube at forward slash at BTV underscore cast and follow the conversation on any socials at forward slash BTV underscore cast. Once again, thank you for joining us and listening to this episode. We hope this finds you well. And until next time, safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse. Take care, everybody. <laughs>